All of you are getting set for this second weekend of November. What a phenomenal week of college football we have coming up, much like last week when we know uh, sent some shockwaves through the college football world. Great to have you along, everybody. This is Strong as Steel. I'm Michael Regai. Pleased to be joined, as always, uh, by the, uh, the author of uh, the very best college football preview magazine and along with so many other areas of uh, the Phil Steele endeavors that keep you going throughout the college football season. We say hello to my partner, Phil Steele. Phil, second week in November, my friend, and uh, things are getting very, very interesting, are they not, in conferences across the FBS? Yeah, and the thing this time of year, Michael, is it seems like teams start to play a little bit with unbeaten pressure. You know, the ones that are up there in the rankings, maybe the players start looking about, hey, well, if this happens and if this happens, we can get there. And generally their opponents are just focusing on them. We see a lot of upsets among those teams that are battling for the FBS playoffs. Look at last week, two huge favorites, Ohio State and Penn State, both go down. Ohio State just got absolutely thrashed by Iowa. And I think we got more of that coming up in future weeks. Yeah, and that's exactly why we're here, to bring you the very best. We evaluate it, we analyze it, and then, of course, we certainly put it all out there for you to make your own assessments on. But you guys do a fantastic job with it. We love what you do. You get a hold of us, as you've done in great numbers each and every week. We love that, whether you're with us on Blog Talk Radio here live on Wednesdays at noon Eastern or uh, iTunes, where you can always get every episode of every show, 646-668-2248. That's 646-668-2248. We can also uh, make sure that you're taken care of via Twitter, right? Social media is very, very important to us. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, he's always front and center and ready to go a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Jim will uh, get into your college football thoughts on Twitter. Here's how you do that, at Phil Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E-042, at Michael Regai, R-E-G-H-I, at Jim Nabosna, and we'll get you all set And, again, that's coming up a little bit later on in the show. Phil Steele, let's start with one. I'm going to tell you that this is the one that uh, I'll see how you feel about it. This has got me the most intrigued this weekend because I would venture to say back in August when we were going through our previews, we weren't putting either Brian Kelly in the Notre Dame Fighting Irish or uh, Mark Richt in his Miami Hurricanes uh, with an opportunity to be where they sit right now. Notre Dame 8-1. Number three ranked. Miami, 8-0, still unbeaten, ranked number seven. Irish following up their two wins uh, over ranked USC and North Carolina State. Uh, then they pasted Wake Forest last week. They put 48 up on them. Now, Josh Adams, the running back, and Brandon Winbush, the quarterback, they both continue to flourish. The Irish are averaging 41 points a game, Phil, and uh, they run it for an impressive 325 yards per uh, that is, uh, of course, a, a big part of that 41 points per. Now, they're going to need that stingy defense, though. They allow uh, 18 points a game as they travel to Miami. The Canes are 8-0. They don't win in blowout fashion, Phil. That's the thing. A lot of people say, well, Miami's wins are rather pedestrian. They're not impressive. But, uh, you know, we know how solid this football team is. And they took it to Vatek last week. I think a solid Vatek team. They beat 28-10. Well, I don't know if it lives up to uh, Phil Member back in the 80s, early 90s, the uh, heralded Catholics versus convicts narrative. However, a lot of attention on this one. How do you see Notre Dame's trip down to South Florida against the Canes of Miami? Well, I like both teams, Michael. And, you know, last week 
Uh, I used Miami as my marquee game on uh, ESPN Sports Center, moving that one to seven and one as they dominated Virginia Tech. And I had said the last three or four weeks that uh, I really like Miami of Florida's defensive front seven but they haven't quite been playing up to what I had thought. I had thought at this point in the season they'd be allowing about 2.5 yards per carry. They came into last week giving up 4.1. Well, they finally played up to that level last week. 43 carries for Virginia Tech, 102 rush yards. They were in the backfield all night long among the nation's leaders in TFLs, and uh, they held them to 2.4 yards per carry. So that defensive line finally cranked it up. Like what I saw to Malik Rozier and Travis Homer in the receiving core, look pretty good as well. Now, Notre Dame, and uh, inside the press box last week, I had the Irish uh, against Wake Forest very happy, 48-23 to in the fourth quarter. What in the name of Mike Elko happened at the final couple minutes of that game? Wake Forest gets a couple of meaningless touchdowns at the end, and what was a very comfortable game had me screaming at that Notre Dame defense you were just lauding over there, giving up that late TD. Uh, but overall, the Irish have been, as you touched on, very impressive. Now, two teams have slowed down the rush attack, held them to under 250 yards per carry. Georgia, Michigan State, both have pretty good rush Ds, and uh, the Michigan State game, was the one Notre Dame won by 21, but they were actually outgained by 141 yards in that game. They, of course, lost the Georgia game at home. Notre Dame was my number one most improved team in the country in the magazine this year, and they're living up to that billing. Miami was my number two surprise team in the country, or a non-top-10 team that I thought could contend for a playoff spot. They're living up to that building. Michael, I have a tough time going against either team here. I like both Notre Dame and Miami, so I can tell you it won't be one of my big plays this week. It won't find its way anywhere because I'm still struggling to figure out who I'm going to call to win this game, but it should be one of the most entertaining games of the weekend. Yeah, no question about that. Couldn't agree with you more. And I'm not one that buys into the narrative, Phil, about, well, Miami hasn't won impressively enough. No matter of fact, sometimes, Phil, don't you think that maybe when you've played a series of tight games where you've got to be at your best in the fourth quarter, maybe that can work to your advantage as then uh, Miami has to deal with Notre Dame and trying to find a way, which will probably be, again, need to win tight in the fourth quarter. I think it can be beneficial, be an advantage at times. Yeah, it can be, and that's not like it was every game this season. I mean, the Toledo game, a team you're going to talk about a little bit later on, is one of the best teams in the MAC. They beat by 22. They beat Duke by 25. Florida State, they did need a late second touchdown. That's when Florida State was playing good, but that was a great game. Georgia Tech, they had a 200-yard edge in that game. Should have been winning by more, but needed a late score to win. And then the Syracuse-North Carolina games, I consider those letdown spots. Huge favorites, go through the motions, get it done. So I don't think it's been an every-game thing for Miami, and uh, I've been impressed with them a good portion of the season. Yeah, yeah, and you have to be impressed with Notre Dame, too, because as we know, Phil, coming off that 4-8 and eight last year, Brian Kelly uh, said a lot of this is on me. I'm going to shake up my coaching staff. We're going to approach things differently, and uh, wow, has it paid huge, huge dividends for uh, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So where are we at with the number on this one? I see you said tough to call. Did you? What is the number on that currently, Miami-Notre Dame? Uh, Notre Dame is... Notre Dame is minus three. Notre Dame's a three-point favorite. Phil, I'm going to take Rick and his Miami Hurricanes getting those three on the road. So, I, I you know, I, I'm with you. It's, it's. Uh, I can understand you saying it's, it wouldn't be considered a, a strong, strong play from your perspective, but uh, I'm going to say Rick and Miami finds a way to win. So, but intriguing, absolutely intriguing, and of course, all the. <laughs> Oh, hey, Brent Musburger's been all over this week on ESPN with the, uh, you know, the kind of the rekindling of the Catholics versus convicts from back in the late 80s, early 90s. That's always a fun watch. Hope we're a fun listen for you. Strong as steel. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, and our producer, Jim Nabosna. This is what we do each and every Wednesday. College football season in November. And as we said, we, the, the menu is just, I'm talking about Thanksgiving. Wow, this is Thanksgiving coming early here in the month of November with regard to 
VFBS. 646-668-2248. We come to you next. Phil, I want to, I want to get uh, the Oklahoma and TCU thoughts up there because this is another one too. Oklahoma comes off that big, big win. Baker Mayfield and his Sooners, boy, they boomed in Bedlam just like their name says. They put 62 up. On Mike Gundy's boys in Stillwater, Mayfield saying this week, we control our own destiny. Uh, Phil, you know, he, he could be right if they win out. Might be hard to keep him out. He's a Heisman favorite right now. I think he's uh, minus 175. I saw earlier this week. Six TD passes just destroyed Okie State. 28 TD throws now for Mayfield on the season. He's thrown for over 3,200 yards already in nine football games. Uh, Oh, they're they're probably going to go to the Big Twelve championship game now. These these Horned Frogs beat Texas last week, Phil, twenty four to seven. Their only loss was at Iowa State two weeks ago. Mayfield said also this week, caught my eye, Phil. He has great respect for Gary Patterson's defense. He said they always give me trouble. Play, number six uh, is Patterson's D in the FBS this week. They only allow thirteen points a game. Phil, can Gary Patterson and his uh, Horn Frogs D keep Oklahoma, I'm going to say, under 35 points this week to give themselves a legitimate shot to maybe get a win? Yeah, I think they have a shot. At, you know, Michael, Oklahoma's defense getting bashed nationally this week because last week, as much as they put up against Oklahoma State, they gave up 52 points and 661 yards. And uh, there are a lot of folks in the national media saying, hey, Oklahoma doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs because they don't have a defense. So, you know, there's another mindset to this game coming in. Now, with, with TCU, uh, I do believe they have the best defense in the in the Big 12. You look at them, they're holding opponents to 144 yards per game below their season average. That's the fourth best in the country. Surprisingly, Oklahoma holding their opponents to 10 yards below their season average. You wouldn't think that with the way they've been giving up yards and points recently, but they have been taking on some pretty high-flying offenses. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a big Gary Patterson fan. I think you put Gary Patterson as a dog. They went into Oklahoma State and won already pretty much by even a little more points than Oklahoma won against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma beat them by 10. Uh, TCU beat them by 13. They held that Oklahoma State offense to 499 yards. Uh, I think TCU will give them a game. But in the long run, I think Oklahoma is a better team and they're at home. I'm looking for something about at a uh, 37-27 here in favor of Oklahoma. And uh, I think they get it done at home, but it should be a great game. And, and I do believe if Oklahoma wins out, uh, they'll have wins over TCU and then either a TCU or an Oklahoma State in the uh, Big 12 title game. I think they would have an excellent shot of making the playoffs. Absolutely, I'm with you right there. And uh, but again, here's where that uh, you know we'll see week by week where it goes. But uh, you know, you keep a would we'll, we'll be a 12 and one. Then Oklahoma out. Wow, uh, people are saying the same thing about Wisconsin. Although Wisconsin, we'll touch on them a little bit later on, Phil. Although now Iowa is ranked after their win. Um, Little surprising, although they don't have a quality, uh, or at least a win over a uh, a ranked team. Michigan probably should get ranked, and those are Wisconsin's next two, so that could help them a little bit. But uh, we'll get to that a little bit later on. Six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. Michael Ragai, Phil Steele, uh, with of course everything you need to know about college football. We'll tell you all about PhilSteele.com. And all of that entails a little bit later on in the show. And our producer, Jim Nabosna, let's get at it. We will, uh, you guys are always fired up and ready to go. Let's uh, go out to uh, the great state of California on the West Coast and say good morning to our man, Leonard, who has some Maction thoughts for us. Hey, Leonard, welcome. How you doing? Oh, good. How you doing? Good morning to you all. Uh, I had a question on the Toledo, Ohio game tonight. What do you think about that one? All right. Appreciate the call, Leonard. And uh, I'll touch on it briefly. These are the two teams you expected to be in the MAC title game. It looks like these are the two teams that will be in the MAC title game. Toledo's been uh, clearly the more impressive offense this season. They're averaging 106 yards per game above what their opponents normally allow. Ohio only is 21 in that category. And defensively, I'm a little surprised. Ohio's defense giving up 40 yards above what their opponents come in averaging. So it hasn't been quite what you would expect. But 
Ohio can be a dangerous dog. They're at home. I like the way Nathan Rourke's playing this year. The uh, Canadians got 13 touchdowns and three interceptions on the year. A.J. Olette back at the uh, running back spot, uh, finally getting back in the groove uh, this year again. He's got over 800 yards rushing. Rourke has provided another 500-plus. Uh, give the, uh, the defensive edge, I still give a defensive edge to Ohio. I'll give the home edge to Ohio, but give the offensive edge to Toledo. I think it would be a close game, worthy of watching tonight. Uh, I'm going to lean with uh, Toledo to pull out a close one, but it'll be interesting to see what our my friend Michael here has. Phil, I uh, I took in the uh, the Toledo Northern Illinois game last week because historically that game has you know so much meaning not only in the MAC West but uh, just also they are two of the blue bloods and I uh, very very impressed with Logan Woodside the senior quarterback at Toledo I mean he riddled a very strong NIU defense 527 total yards running back Terry Swanson I mean head coach head coach. Um, Jason Candle of Toledo kind of said, yeah, we we know we can throw it, but we're going to show you we can impose our will running it, and they did that last week as Swanson ran for three TDs. So I think, you know, Ohio had dropped 12 in a row to Toledo, which is kind of very, very surprising under Frank Solich. Not all those under Solich, of course, just uh four of them, but they kind of avenged that last year. They went to the glass bowl and came up with a 31-26 win. Ohio's won three in a row since that home loss to Central Michigan. You touched on Nathan Rourke. I agree with you. He is a really strong RPO threat, that run-pass option. So, um, you know, all that having been said, Phil, though, I, I, I'm going to go with you. I, I, like, uh, I like Toledo to find a way to win this tight, tight, uh, as, as in under a touchdown here in Athens tonight. But it is the, uh, the headliner. And uh, Phil's correct. It, it probably is going to be, in less than a month from now, on December 2nd at Ford Field in Detroit, uh, the rematch will take place, Toledo and Ohio, more than likely on a collision course to play for the MAC championship. All right, let's uh, keep rolling here. Let's go to the uh, great state of Alabama on uh, Strong as Steel uh, with some SEC thoughts. And this one is going uh, this one's going to be terrific as we say hello to our man, Chad. Chad, welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing? Hi, guys. How y'all doing today? Good, Chad. Hello. We're hey, great, uh, Chad. We're ready to head to y'all. I just want to come and talk to y'all about the uh, Auburn-Georgia game this week. Uh, I know, uh, I think Sunday the uh, the line was uh, Auburn minus two and a half, and then just like overnight it swapped to Georgia minus two and a half, uh, maybe even about three now. Um, I, I just kind of wondered uh, if, if y'all like the Auburn plus three. All right, appreciate the call, Chad. And, uh, you know, you're right. Uh, last week, Auburn was a favorite. But I think with Georgia being number one in the polls, you're going to find that the majority of the money will come in on Georgia. Uh, during the course of the week, the public will will definitely play Georgia. And really, when you line up the two teams, you know, Auburn's offensive line is a little beat up. They've got three offensive linemen questionable here. Cam Petway, one of the best running backs in the country, will miss this game. So it's down to Kerryon Johnson and Cam Martin in the backfield. Whereas Georgia has a deeper backfield with Chubb, Michelle, Swift, Holifield, and Harrion. So I think when you line up the talent, the two teams very, very close. And uh, defensively, you do have to account for the fact that uh, Georgia's got much better stats defensively. They're holding their opponents to 152 yards per game below their season average. Auburn just 111. But Auburn's given up some late stuff lately. You go back to that old Miss game. Uh, that's a game they had 35-3 to at the half, gave up 20 second-half points. Arkansas scored a late touchdown on them. Texas A&M scored a late touchdown on them. So they're probably a little bit better than what the uh, stats would indicate because they've been giving up some uh, late stuff uh, at the end of the game. So uh, add it all up. Uh, I think these two teams are extremely close. I like the way home teams are playing lately. Look at Michigan State upsetting uh, Penn State last week, Iowa upsetting Ohio State. In a lot of the big games, the home teams have been winning. I think the two teams are very equal. I'm going to call for Auburn to pull the upset here and give us a new number one at the end of the week. Appreciate the call, Chad. 
Good stuff, Chad. And uh, Phil Steele going to go with uh, Gus Melzahn in this football team. I, and this turns into a, I, and I don't know. I mean, again, I, there's so much conversation about Melzahn, Phil, all, all the time. If if this weren't to, to go well with him uh, on Saturday, and then let's uh, say they're looking at a loss to Alabama as well in the Iron Bowl. I mean, I, are, we, are we looking at some some rough waters ahead for Gus Malzahn with what would be then a four-loss season? Yeah, here's a remarkable thing that with that, Michael. Uh, Gus Malzahn could end up coach of the year if they beat Georgia, beat Alabama, beat Georgia in a rematch. A two-loss Auburn will make the playoffs and has a shot at the national championship. If they lose to Georgia and lose to Alabama, and they'll be an underdog in both games, he could very well be out of a job. So what's it going to be, coach of the year or out of a job? Uh, I think it's going to be fascinating. If you're an Auburn fan, uh, you don't know what to think right now. Yeah, no, that's a terrific point. And it seems like, though, it's this way each and every year with Malzahn, you know, uh, you know going back to that BCS championship run in 2000. And 13, uh, of course, you know, got spanked in the Sugar Bowl last year. Remember, Phil, after the uh, the Sugar Bowl, I mean, uh, Oklahoma jumped on him and be I think 35-19, if I remember correctly. And I think it started right then. Oh, Malzahn better have a real strong year, you know. Better beat Alabama, better beat Georgia, better beat the big one, win the big ones. So it seems to be the way of life uh, in the state of Alabama if you're not Nick and Saban. Better not, and, better uh, not blow a big second-half lead against LSU. That's right. That's right. No, you're exactly right. Good call there on that. All right. So, um, you know, all by, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Georgia on this though. I, I, I think they they continue to win. So Phil and I will uh, have our uh, root beer root beer sarsaparilla on this one. We'll see how it uh, it plays out. Glad you're playing out with us. That's strong as steel. This is how we do it each and every week uh, here on Blog Talk Radio. Always go to iTunes. You can get every episode that you like. And 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 leave us a comment there why you love the show so much because it, it certainly helps us in going forward as uh, we want to bring you the very best each and every week. 646-668-2248. A little bit later on in the show, we'll be checking in with our producer, Jim Nabosna, to get uh, – uh, all of your thoughts and all of your questions that you sent in uh, on Twitter today as well. We go to uh, Pittsburgh, PA, and uh, get one of our, our regulars on the show. He's always all over the uh, the FBS map, sometimes in the group of five. Here's our man, Nine Route, uh, from Pittsburgh. What's going on, Nine Route? Welcome. Hey, Michael, Phil. Glad to talk to you guys again today. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go a little bit off the map here. I'm usually not um, an over-under guy, and let alone uh, an under guy. I usually like the overs, especially in college. Um, you know, the unders scare me a little bit because with overtime, you know, you can just get continuous scoring, so it could screw, screw up an under. So, I, But I think in this game, the only way it's going over is if it goes to overtime. I like the under 49-and-a-half in the Air Force-Wyoming game. Wyoming a little offensively challenged this year, lacks some pop. Air Force, uh, I think they can run the ball and, and shorten possessions for Wyoming. I think it's going to be like a 20-17 to 17 type game. Yeah, and, you know, if you take a look at uh, Wyoming and their head coach, he usually does a pretty good job defensing the options. So that's one big advantage you have coming into this. Now, Air Force has been pretty much an over team this year, with the exception of when they're taking on uh, a couple of, uh, well, last week, for example, Army, they took on a team that knows how to prep for the option, prep, had a week prior off prior to the game, and uh, slowed them down, actually shut them out. But it was surprising earlier in the year that Air Force put up uh, you know, when they played New Mexico, a battle of option teams, 94 points, and then Navy earlier in the year, 93 points, both in battle of the option teams. So that's that's something to look at. Air Force has been pretty much a pure over team. And meanwhile, Wyoming has been, as you touched on, that pure under team, holding opponents to 61 yards per game below their season average. And even with Josh Allen there, it's been rare when their offense is even top 300 yards. In fact, six times this year they've been held to under 300 yards their top FBS production was 333 yards against Texas State. They're only averaging 283 yards per game. So for Wyoming to be in this game, they're going to definitely need to have a low-scoring game. They're going to need their defense 
Uh, and like I said, their their head coach uh, uh, Craig Ball always does a great job defending the option. I think they will here. So I'm I'm going to agree with you in that case. I do think it'll be a lower scoring game, and I can actually give Wyoming a shot at the upset. I think with Josh Allen back there, he'll find some holes in Air Force defense. That's uh, given up 394 yards per game this year. Appreciate the call as always. Yeah, good stuff, Nine Rob. I feel a little bit surprised that uh, you know uh, Troy Calhoun's football team. I mean, this year we expect them always in that you know eight win area, and uh, they they certainly have struggled. And uh, it's looking like a season where uh, you know expectations not being met. Surprising you at all? Uh, if you go back to our uh, Mountain West preview that we did, and the uh, we previewed all yep. the uh, the teams. Uh, and in the magazine itself, I have Air Force in a three-way tie for fourth, so I, which is also a three-way tie for the basement in the Mountain West Division. So it looked to me like a, a little bit of a rebuilding year. They've got three tough games left. It'll, interest, it'll be interesting uh, to see how they play. But, uh, no, it didn't surprise me this year. When I lined up the talent and the schedule, I thought they would have a little tough go of it, especially having a non-conference game like Michigan to start the year, which, by the way, they played very well in. Yeah, no, they played a solid football game there. But, I mean, you know, last year, I mean, look at Troy Calhoun, 10 wins in 16, 8 wins in 15, 10 wins in 14. Uh, so this is this is a, a very well-established program, and we'll see we'll see how they finish up. Uh, Wyoming then at Boise State and Utah State, of course, in, uh, at, at home to finish up for Air Force. Great to have you along on Strongest Steel. Let's keep rolling here. Big one going on in Columbus, Ohio. There was a huge one two weeks ago when Ohio State came storming back to beat uh, to beat Penn State. Now they got Mark D'Antonio and a team that hey they control their destiny uh, with just that one loss. Here's Tony uh, from uh, the state of Michigan checking in on Michigan State and Ohio State. Hi, Tony. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, love the show. Um, on the Michigan State-Ohio State game, um, the lines, I don't know, I think it's kind of high, 15 or 16. And get your take on that. And then about Mark D'Antonio, um, it seems like he's very good when State's an underdog. Can you comment on that, too? And thanks. Yeah, and in fact, if you watch his press conference, he was uh... – practically giddy finding out that they were a 16-point underdog for this game. It is clearly the role that uh, that he thrives in. Last year was an unusual year. As everybody was talking about Michigan State as a national title contender, and maybe that was part of the reason that they struggled. But uh, you make Michigan State a dog, and, and they're very deadly. In fact, uh, this uh, last 10 years, 18-10-1 as an underdog. They do extremely well in that role. Now, they're, they did lose to Notre Dame by 20 this year. But in that game, they had a 141-yard edge, so they played well. Uh, I still look at Michigan State, though, and I don't see them as one of the elite teams in the country. I know they beat Penn State last week. They had the benefit of that three-and-a-half-hour delay, I think, which might have affected Penn State a little bit. Uh, but I had, they had not blown away the, the teams they should be. So I, I understand why the spread is where it is. In fact, uh, I get the Westgate Power Ratings, which is from the Westgate Casino in Las Vegas, They've got Ohio State, the number two team in the country. FPI's got them, the number two team in the country, uh, despite the fact they lost last week and, and lost in big fashion to Iowa. Even my average game grades has them, the number two team in the country. They're a team that's uh, dangerous both offensively and defensively. They get this one at home, and uh, I think they're going to be fired up for this one. So it's just one of those games where if you look at the power ratings, Ohio State should probably win by 17 and 21 points, believe it or not. But then you start to scratch your head, and like you said, D'Antonio, underdog, and Michigan State, the way they played, especially 474 yards against Penn State, I thought was outstanding. Lewerke's throwing the ball well, 16-5 ratio. I do lean with Ohio State in this one, but uh, I could see Michigan State making a game of it. Appreciate the call, Tony. Yeah, good stuff, Tony. And, of course, uh, Phil, coming off last year, I mean, there's so many uh, the issues, and not just with that 3-9 and nine record on the field. As we know, there were issues galore off the field that Mark D'Antonio had to clean up. But, uh, boy, they have certainly responded with uh, a most emphatic, emphatic start to this football season. So here they sit 
at uh, with just the conference loss to Northwestern, and that got away from them uh, really in overtime when they uh, couldn't match a Northwestern point. So, you know, Phil, and the thing with Ohio State, I mean, your thought on this, um, I would say their, their front four, their defensive line, is arguably top three in the, the FBS. They might be number one in the FBS when you just look at uh, at the talent there. Yes. But uh, Phil, I, I've seen a I, I've seen a drop off. Linebackers uh, are not playing as well as you expect Ohio State linebackers to play, and that secondary is nowhere near what it's been the last couple of years. Uh, do you see that that those two areas as the big? I, I was shocked the way Iowa gashed their linebackers in sec- secondary with uh, with Nate Stanley last week? Uh, I was surprised as well. In fact, if you look at the Iowa games during the course of the year, and if you broke down the film and watched every single Iowa offensive game, you know, forget about Illinois and forget about North Texas. They don't even have defenses. But Penn State, 273 yards, 11 first downs. Michigan State, 231 yards, 11 first downs. Northwestern, 14 first downs, 312 yards. Minnesota, 315, 15 first downs. Of those four teams, you have to say Ohio State has at least as good a defense, if not better than most of them. Penn State would be the one that would come to mind as closest. 24 first downs, 487 yards. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that because it just doesn't even seem possible that that could have happened last week. So I agree with you. The deficiencies have to be in the back seven because there's no arguing that the front seven's legit. Yeah, and uh, Greg Schiano and Urban Meyer uh, certainly got some things they got to get squared away coming down the stretch. Uh, Michigan State this week, of course, uh, the gimme with uh, Illinois coming into Columbus next week, and then the trip to Ann Arbor to finish it up. I would love to see uh, any of those Ohio. Uh, yeah, they they tell us right. <laughs> Somebody said so <laughs> once or twice down through the last five, six decades. I'd love to see any of those uh, Ohio State games. If you're a college football fan, I bet you you might want to as well. You know what the, should have you the most intrigued about that? It's got to be Seat Geek, folks. That's right, Seat Geek. It is the smartest, easiest, most effective way to get the seats you want. It, hey, you check this out right now. I'm telling you, they'll, they'll get you to Columbus this week to see Michigan State and Ohio State uh, will have so many implications for the Big Ten East as far as the Big Ten championship game. You can be there. SeatGeek will get you there. They've got a seamless mobile experience that allows you to buy and sell your tickets to all the events you want. I, I, not just college football, every sport, uh, theater, your favorite, uh, your favorite uh, entertainment, musical group, what have you, fully guaranteed. And that'll get you to see every event that you want. Make SeatGeek your go-to app. It'll save you time and money. Every type of ticket you like. As again, now sports, concerts, theater, comedy, whatever it is you want, the SeatGeek experience is right there for you. You're a Strongest Steel listener, and that makes you a VIP. You're a VIP because you're a part of uh, Phil and, and I and what we do each and every week. Get 20 bucks off. That's right, 20 bucks off your first Seat Geek purchase because you are a strong as steel listener. Here's how you do it. Download Seat Geek, the app, enter the promo code STEEL, S-T-E-E-L-E, 20 bucks off. Just that easy. Be front and center at every event you want. Hey, go check it out right now. You might be able to go get your best seat, best price to see Georgia and Auburn this week. Or, as we said, Michigan State and Ohio State or uh, Oklahoma TCU, you can do it. Go to SeatGeek. Make sure you do it the best way. That's the SeatGeek way. All right, good to have you along, everybody. Michael Reg, I Phil Steele, our producer Jim Nabosna here on Strong as Steel. Twitter questions coming up. Get them in to Jim Nabosna at PhilSteel042, at Michael Regai, at Jim Nabosna. We'll be checking those coming up momentarily we uh, swing into the state of ohio here on strong as steel the the best college football analysis evaluation show of its kind here's derek derek welcome to the show how are you today hey i'm not doing too bad i hope you guys are doing pretty good i wanted to get into a little something uh want to do some smu and navy um i actually took a little bit of action with this and i'm actually getting double digits so fellas let me know what that uh 
what that might bring me. Have a good one. You're getting double digits with Smoot? I am. Yes. Nice. I like that. <laughs> yeah, you, you get some value there, my friend. And, uh, you know, I, t- I tell you one thing we're going to have here, because Navy right now is only a four-and-a-half-point favorite. So, uh, Derek, you are a smart man, and uh, congratulations on shopping around. But I, I do like Smooth's chances in this game. I, I think when you take a look at it, first of all, it should be a high-scoring game. Smooth has not really faced the option. They've struggled against the option. They've given up a lot of yards per carry. Their last four games, they've given up 265, 250, 250, 203, given up about 5.5 yards per carry. Navy will gain some yards on the ground. But Smooth has that potent offense this year. they got 505 yards. Uh, they're averaging 94 yards above what their opponents allow. And Navy can't really uh, – put their scout team doesn't really have the passing quarterbacks to emulate Ben Hicks and his passing. He's got a 20 to six ratio. They also got two capable running backs, Xavier Jones and Braden West are two guys that can break it. In fact, Braden West averaging 7.9 yards per carry Xavier Jones, 5.7. They've got dangerous receivers, Cortland Sutton, their star, only the number two receiver this year, 752 yards. Their go-to man is Trey Quinn. He's got almost double the receptions, 921 yards. Uh, and then you've got uh, Proach and uh, West are, are there as well. So they've got some dangerous receivers. I think Smooth's offense will be able to put the, some points on the board and get double digits like you are. That's phenomenal because I think the last team with the ball wins this. So I like a high-scoring game. I believe the total in Vegas right now is something like 68. Looking at the over on that and then uh, definitely uh, the line's actually four and a half. I still like Smooth four and a half, so I really like your double digits. Appreciate the call as always, Derek. Oh, what Derek? Wait a minute, I, I Phil. I wish we had more time. Derek got double digits straight up. I mean, it's not involved in any type of teaser or parlay or what have you. Wow, yeah, that sounds like uh, so I tell I'm you what, for it. good, good for Derek. Yeah, good for Derek is right. That's uh, I think that's something that might be very, very advantageous to Derek. Uh, he's probably can't wait till Saturday gets here. Uh, we're glad that you're here on Strongest Steel, 646-668-2248. Let's swing out to Kelly, uh, group of five time. Uh, here's our man Tony from California with some uh, with some group of five thoughts and, and ideas today. Hi, Tony. How you doing? Good morning, guys. How you guys doing? Uh, I was curious about, I'm going to keep it quick, I was curious about this UAB game versus UTSA. I was wondering how you saw that one. Well, first of all, I think Bill Clark should be up for coach of the year, the job he's done. There were some mm-hmm. folks that uh, yes. opined uh, during the off season that, you know, after being away from football for two years, maybe UAB should have waded back into the waters uh, and gone to an FCS schedule. And all Bill Clark has done is get him to six and three on the year. And UTSA is a team that opened up the year with three very impressive wins, including an upset of Baylor on the road. And all of a sudden, Vegas started inflating their number. In fact, they're just two and three in CUSA action. They lost as favorites against Southern Miss, North Texas, FIU. They've only beaten Rice and UTEP. So you would think UAB would be the play here. But I actually like UTSA, and here's why. When I I look at UAB, first of all, they just got the six wins. Now, I don't think there's uh, not too many players. They may have said that they're going to get to a bowl game, but do you really think they believe they were going to get to a bowl game this year? I don't think so. So they've accomplished that. They've got a huge game on deck against Florida. Uh, That's their chance to really step up, pull an upset, and make a name for themselves. UTSA is sitting at five wins. They've got Marshall and Aunt Louisiana Tech on deck. They need a win. And while both teams have excellent quarterbacks, A.J. Early for UAB has got a 12-2 ratio. Dalton Strum, who, who took this UTSA team to a bowl last year, has a 14-2 ratio. I think it's pretty good. And defensively, UTSA's got the edge. They're holding opponents to 56 yards per game below their season average. UAB actually allowing 28 yards per game above their season average. In fact, in conference play, despite UAB having the better record, they're minus 16 yards per game, and UTSA is plus 41. So I still think UTSA is the stronger team. I think UTSA is in a must-win situation and may catch UAB a little celebrating after that win number six last week. I like UTSA. They're laying about a touchdown in this one. I think they get it done at home. Appreciate the call, Tony. 
Yeah, good stuff, Tony. And, uh, and Phil, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Bill Clark's sensational job, uh, and who knows? Maybe there's another. I mean, he could get this football team up to eight wins potentially this year. And they, when was the last time? I, was it all four the last time that uh, they've been to a bowl game, I think, UAB? Does that sound right? Yeah, well, they've, yeah, they've been out of they, – yeah, they've actually been out, out of football, football for two the last two years, right? Without even a, right. a team on the field, and then uh, their last bowl game uh, came in 2004 was the Hawaii Bowl, and they played Hawaii there. Yeah. In fact, it was their only bowl game, uh, and they lost that one by 19 points. And that's the only time this UAB program's ever been to a bowl was 2004. Yeah, that's that's just a wild. Of course, Bill Clark. So again, uh, he he's going to get a lot. He should get. He won't win it, but he's going to get a lot. Rightfully, Coach of the Year recognition coming up this year. Great to have all of you along here on uh, Strongest Steel. Phil Steel can be seen and heard in a multitude of uh, of places and uh, ways for you to get a hold of him. PhilSteel.com. We'll tell you more about that coming up in a little bit. Time to check Twitter. We know we, with social media and Twitter very, very important to us here on Strongest Steel. And uh, the man that takes care of that, our producer, Jim Nabosna. Jim Nabosna, your time, your turn. What do all of our tremendous uh, Strongest Steel listeners uh, have on Twitter today, Jimmy? Go right ahead. Today we start with Mighty McGates, who asked, NC State is coming off two big game losses. Do they have what it takes to bounce back versus a rising Boston College team? You know, I, I definitely like the situation Boston College is in in this game. You go back two weeks ago, NC State, what they have in front of them, national title contender, ACC title contender. Then they go into Notre Dame and lose. Okay, let's scratch off that national title contender. But we could still win the ACC. And while they played a great game, I mean, they had a 491 to 415 yard edge against Clemson last week. They lost the game at home. Now they need Clemson to lose a couple of games for them to actually win the ACC. Okay, let's cross that off the list. And uh, so now what do you do? It's their third straight big game in three weeks. Meanwhile, there's this Boston College team that everybody had given up for dead early in the season. Remember, they lost to Notre Dame. They lost to Clemson. Look at the schedule these guys are playing. Northern Illinois is a tough game. Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, Louisville. Florida State, they've been playing tough teams, and they've been gaining confidence weekly. They knocked off Louisville at home. A.J. Dillon started running the football. Anthony Brown became a more capable QB. They blew out Virginia on the road, and then they blew out Florida State at home. Then they had a bye. So this one fired up, well-rested Boston College team at home against an NC State team that's playing its third tough game in a row. Add it all up. I like BC. Do you pull yet another be their fourth straight upset win in a row? And I uh, really like the way they're playing for Steve Adazio right now. Appreciate the tweet. At Joey P says, do you expect Army to continue its winning streak and take down Duke at home this weekend? Well, the negative part for me in this game is David Cutcliffe sure knows how to defense the option. If you look at the games that Duke has played against option offenses, and they face Army, they face uh, the Navy sometimes, they play they play a good portion of option offenses. Cutcliffe's crew always does well. They come into this in a little bit of a desperate situation. They've got five losses on the season. Really can't afford any more slip-ups, especially with Georgia Tech, Wake Forest on deck. Daniel Jones is the big question mark to me. Now, if Army's going to win this game, they need Daniel Jones to be playing like he's been playing because it hasn't been very good. Uh, Daniel Jones is a, a guy that, if you look at his uh, recent games, he's completing under 50% of his passes. His ratio is poor. But David Cutcliffe's known as a quarterback whisperer, and they've got a little extra time to prepare for this. They're off a bye, getting ready for the option, which is a plus. And they got to think Cutcliffe can get him turned around. They did play Florida State's defense. They did play Miami's defense. They did play Virginia Tech's defense in three of their last five games. Now they're taking on a good, but Army's defense is not as good as last year. Last year, I thought their defense was great. I mean, they held opponents to 76 yards below their season average, gave up 291 yards per game. This year, it's just 20 yards below their season average and 359 yards per game. So with the extra time to prepare for the option, I actually like Duke's chances of pulling the upset there. Appreciate the tweet. Tommy asks, can Southern Miss score enough to cover 10 points on the road this week against Rice? 
Yeah, and that that's your big question here uh, because you know the thing about Rice is they they've had such a miserable season and it it started early on. I don't think anybody at the Rice program expected one, and and believe it or not, Coach Bailoff, who's done a great job there, is on the hot seat right now. Uh, they've been alternating quarterbacks. Uh, they use Tyner, they use Glassman, they use Miklo Smalls. Uh, they've been tough time coming up with the offense, but the last two weeks. They actually put up 434 and 463 yards, and that was against Louisiana Tech and UAB. So they're showing signs of life. And, in fact, here's a surprising stat for you. Rice, in conference play this year, they've got one win. They are plus 16 yards per game. That tells me they haven't given up fighting yet. Uh, and Meanwhile, Southern Miss, uh, despite their record in conference play, is plus 41 yards per game, not a lot better. Uh, Keon Howard. Now, you look at the resurgence a couple weeks ago. Keon Howard had a couple of phenomenal games, which came out of the blue. Remember, Howard was poor last year as a passer, opened up the year as a starter, was not doing well, got benched. When he came off the bench, all of a sudden, 15 of 20, 16 of 27, 301 yards against Louisiana Tech. Then he reverted back to being the Keon Howard of last year and even got benched last week. So if Keon Howard shows up and has a game like he did against Louisiana Tech, they've got a chance. Uh, I do think Southern Miss is the better team, but that seems like a lot of points for Southern Miss in that one. Appreciate the tweet. Robbie the Kid wants to know if you think Utah's pass defense can lead them to a victory over Washington State. I like the situation for Utah this week. Uh, they're at home. They gained a little bit of confidence. Now, granted, UCLA did not have Josh Rosen last week. I know that. But uh, Utah had been playing extremely well. They gave Stanford a great game. They gave USC a great game. And then maybe it was too many big games in a row in that four-game losing stretch in October. They got their confidence back. They got their quarterback back. Remember, Tyler Huntley missed a couple of those games. Uh, he returned to action through for, uh, against Oregon, 293 yards against UCLA, 234. So he's getting in the groove again. Zach Moss doing a great job running the football. And as you touched on, their pass defense allowing just 55%, 190 yards per game. Remember a couple games ago, Luke Falk got benched. Now Falk returned against Stanford. They played a good game. Uh, only beating Stanford by three on a late touchdown to, to get the win, but they did have a good yardage edge. Here's the reason, uh, one of the other reasons I like Utah is that Washington State has struggled on the road. Their last two road games, they lost to Cal by 34. They lost to Arizona by 21. So I think Utah can pull the upset here at home. Appreciate the tweet. Wow, that's some outstanding questions today and uh, thoughts on Twitter. You guys always bring it strong for us, hence Hence the name of the show, Strong as Steel with Phil Steele. I'm Michael Regai, our producer, Jim Nabosna. Great work by him. Uh, keep tweets coming. We might have time to slide a couple more in before we uh, end uh, the show today. So uh, do that at PhilSteele042, at Michael Regai, R-E-G-H-I, at Jim Nabosna. Phil, let's uh, roll back to the Big Ten because the uh, the events in – Iowa City and Kinnick Stadium last week certainly, certainly made now this one coming up uh, on Saturday where uh, we have uh, Iowa and Wisconsin going at it as one that's going to garner a lot, a lot of uh, attention now. You know, we know uh, we went through Iowa's performance against Ohio State, and uh, you know Kirk Ferentz, another notch in his belt to get uh, one of the big boys from the Big Ten at home in Kinnick. Now they got to go on the road to Wisconsin, and and Phil, so I'm just going to put it this way: I, you know, if you're Wisconsin, think about it. You're you're Paul Chris and his football team, and they're sitting there, and uh, here they are, you know, trying to go a perfect 12 and 0 to get to the the Big Ten championship game. And their perspective, they're sitting there and saying, "Well, listen, we're having a hell of a year. We got a chance to go 13 and 0, and and what?" And uh, you know that that's as we said, we're not getting into a lot of uh, where the college football playoff is on the show. But right now, let's just say they're on the outside looking in. Some believe, Phil, that they could be first ever undefeated conference champion to uh, be left out of the proceedings. So, to you, does that put even more pressure on them? Uh, now this Iowa game now has more uh, significance to it, and then they welcome in the Michigan Wolverines, who are probably going be an eight-win football team when they go into Madison next week, and then, of course, uh, they'll be set up then to 
to go with the uh, the Big Ten championship game a couple weeks after that. But you get my point, Phil. Do you think this is causing uh, more, not only pressure to win, but listen, we've got to be uh, put up significant wins against people now to get the attention of everybody that has a say-so in this. Well, it would help their case. Uh, I tell you, if I'm Paul Christ, I just have a very calm meeting with the team. I go, look, guys, I don't care anything about where we rank, where we are. Let me tell you this. If we're an undefeated Big Ten team at the end of the year, we will be in the playoffs. I give you my word on it. There's no ifs, no ands, no buts. So don't worry about what's Alabama doing, what's Georgia. I don't want you to worry about a doggone thing. An undefeated Big Ten team will be in the playoffs, and he'll be correct on that. They will be in the playoffs. They'd have wins. Three of the last four games would be big wins, and everybody changes their everybody changes the way they look at a team on a week-to-week basis. You would change your way you look at Wisconsin. So you would have a calm meeting like that, and I'd say go out and play. As a head coach, it's in the fourth quarter. You're up by 17, and I can make it 24, as opposed to taking a knee like he's done in a couple of his games this year. Yeah, I go ahead and tack on that extra touchdown because a lot of fans don't watch every game. You know, they just look at a couple of games out there mm-hmm. during the week, and they need to be blown away by the score. And I think that's going to help them in this one. And keep in mind, you, there's no way you saw Ohio State losing by 31 points to Iowa. We talked earlier in the podcast, you go down to Iowa's offense, mm-hmm. and there's no way, if you would have said, I'm going to get Michael, uh, you give me a 50 on Iowa's <laughs> offense last week. You'd have my house right now. There's no doubt about it. I, I would have been like, and let me take a loan out of the bank to throw some in there. No way they can score 50, and they did. Well, guess what? Ohio State was coming off that big win over Penn State. Now Iowa's coming off that big win over Ohio State. I think Wisconsin's been going through the motions, but I do think they get it together here. They are the stronger team. They are at home, and as you touched on, couldn't hurt to tack on some extra points as opposed to taking knees at the end of the game. Yeah, so Phil likes Wisconsin in that. This is going to be very, very intriguing for the Badgers coming down the stretch uh, because of schedule now with Iowa showing that they have capabilities, or at least the belief is there that. A Michigan football team that comes in next week and assuming uh, in Madison, assuming a win over uh, Maryland uh, on Saturday would be an 8-2 and two football team. And then, of course, what would be them for them, the Big Ten championship game on December 2nd for the Wisconsin Badgers as the Big Ten West champ against uh, either Michigan State, Ohio State, or uh, still an outside possibility of the Penn State Nittany Lions. We apologize for a technical difficulty. Um, uh, Phil has uh, has dropped off the show. We will uh, certainly make sure we have that uh, in check and, and ready it up and uh, to roll for all of you next week, the next time we get together here on Strong as Steel. Remember, every Wednesday at 12 o'clock Eastern time, that's 12 o'clock Eastern, live on Blog Talk Radio. And then, of course, you can go to iTunes anytime you want and get every episode that we've done. Remember, I mean, we started in July with our preview shows of all over the FBS. You could still pick those up as well. And going forward, this week 11, I love a show during this, what's turning out to be another very, very intensely exciting college football season. So we appreciate uh, all of you being locked in. I tell you every week, you're terrific. We love your involvement with us here on Strong as Steel, whether you uh, call into the show, whether you get with us on Twitter, social media, big to us. The fact that you're a Strong as Steel listener means a lot to all of us uh, here on the show. So that's going to do it, and we'll check how everything rolls uh, next week. We'll be another week closer to uh, getting the the final four for the college football playoff this year. A lot of intrigue going on with that. We'll uh, get into all of it and some more outstanding matchups for Week 12. That's the next time we get together here on Strong as Steel. So for um, my partner, Phil Steele, check him out on ESPN uh, with Sports Centers, uh, on ESPN Radio, uh, especially ESPN.com, uh, uh, the insiders. Uh, Phil is everywhere. You could grab that. For Phil, our producer, Jim Nabaza, I'm Michael Ruggai. Have a fun and terrific college football weekend, everybody. You guys are the best, and we'll do it again uh, next week right here on our next edition of Strong as Steel. Till then, so long, everybody. <laughs>